There's some um, sort of a, a bunch of stories related to law enforcement. And Annie Schwartz is going to jump in here in a second. And we're also going to have a guest at ten at nine thirty, rather, um, who's going to talk about the wellness of police officers, those folks working in public safety, because I think it's an important time to do that. The holidays approaching. It's always a good time to talk about wellness, whether you're working in public safety or not. But it's certainly one of those times during the holiday season where that becomes really apparent. So we'll talk about officer wellness and all that stuff with uh, a special guest at 930 who certainly knows his way around public safety and the wellness and just the general well-being of that community. Annie Schwartz joins me in studio, as she does most Wednesdays. Hi, Annie. Good morning. I skipped off to get a really quick coffee, I, and then I, I did, but that. I discovered... Yeah, what did you discover? Somebody had inadvertently, I'm sure, touched the decaf double cappuccino. You know, so what? wherever that satanic creature is hiding, yeah. I don't want to know. But. And that, that makes that prompts me to realize that I left the coffee out there somewhere. Oh, I, that was yours. Yeah, but it wasn't decaf cappuccino. It was just regular coffee. Okay, well... So someone mixed up my... My blend. But anyway. Is there anything more unholy than that? No. So we had a bunch of... You and I were going back and forth last night, as we often do when, when I know you're going to be on. There's a lot of... I don't want to say smaller stories, but a lot of things happening in, in the world of law enforcement, uh, public safety, that uh, I, I'm just going to ask you, where do you want to start? Because there's a bunch of different things we can get to. Boy, there's all kinds of things. I guess, you know, they're, they're, they're short... They're short pieces, but I don't want us to forget about them just because they've been in the news. One of them is yet another fire at Northridge Mall, the old Northridge Mall property. Um, and, you know, I don't know how many times Chief Lipsky is going to have to get out there and tell people, you know, firefighters are going to get hurt. If not somebody who's squatting in there or, you know, who's who's in there already. And I you know, I, I don't know what's happening with the property because all I would like to well, I'd love to see what uh, Chief Al Morales had tried to put together back when he was uh, he was chief, which is trying to make that property into a regional training center. That I mean, makes sense. Because, big enough. Because what we have right now is a fire trap, is a danger to our community, and certainly a danger to the lives of people who work in public safety. And here's the simple answer. It's lawyers, right? Lawyers going back and forth about who owns it, what's the proper way to, to deal with this this problem, this blight in our community. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is it should have been taken down years ago, so we wouldn't have a firefighting concern there. But it's not. It's still sitting there. And, you know, if you want to go back in time and talk about the good old, you know, broken windows theory, having it sit there falling apart is not, is not a great, you know, advertisement for the neighborhood. I just don't understand and again, I blame it on lawyers. I blame it on, on weak leadership. This should have been resolved years ago. Mm-hmm. And if you want an example of why Milwaukee doesn't take the next step, this is one of those things. And whether it's a training center, which I enthusiastically endorse. Oh, that was, Steve, that was the greatest idea. I mean, I'm telling you, that was a wonderful idea. They had the support of the Granville Business uh, District when when they were, th- these conversations were happening. Uh, they had the support uh, of one of the aldermen up there. I mean, it was it, it was a great idea, and it helps the the cat. I mean, if anybody has ever been to the age old grade school that serves as the Milwaukee Police Academy or the Milwaukee Safety Academy, I mean, you know. <laughs> If if you want to remember what it was like to wash your hands with a sink that's two feet off the floor and step on the <laughs> right, thing and the, you know they got that, but you know this is a this isn't a this isn't a small thing. This isn't a luxury. There needs to be a new training academy for both police and fire. Now fire have a great setup behind the current. 
the current police academy, or excuse me, I should say the, the safety academy, right. because it's both police and fire. Because I hear from the firefighters when I say stuff like that, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it, it, but we're, we're, we're complaining about so many, so many elements of law enforcement. How about the one that's arguably the most important, which is the training and the facilities we have them train in? Uh, you know, the, the time that could be saved by not having to go to emergency vehicle uh, operation training at an outside site. There was enough space at the Northridge property to do it there. Now, there may be a 100 things that I don't know that were going on behind the scenes. But I have to say, Steve, that, you know, the, the, this this idea of having such an outdated police academy is it, it's wrong. It's just it's a it's a bad idea. I actually think that one of the one of the things that may come out of the current environment of public safety, challenges to the facilities, challenges to training, challenging in the number of people who do those jobs, challenges in hiring, is that we we may see a rebirth. And I, maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but we may see a rebirth that says, you know what, we're going to reinvest in public safety. We're going to straighten out some of the mess that's been made in this area, not from the law enforcement side, mm-hmm. but on the leadership side. I thought that was supposed to happen, though. I thought that we were turning the corner. And I watched this issue as close as, as anybody else does, right? So I'm looking at, you know, the the defund the police, which was the immediate knee-jerk after George Floyd, but then everybody saw what happens to big cities when you defund the police. Okay, let's let's They re- burn and they get more dangerous. Absolutely. So let's okay, let's put let's put some things back where they were, right? Put it back the way it was. Uh but but one of the things that that I don't hear discussion about is is our training facility for our public safety professionals who are arguably the people that are keeping this city together. I got a text from Kristen Appleton as a graduate of the Fox Valley Tech Public mm, Safety oh. Academy. I can say that we have a great facility and the proper resources does translate to better policing on the street. Yes, of course it does. That's the Cadillac. If you've ever been up to Fox Valley uh, Technical College, it is the Cadillac of training academies. They have a full-size um, jet that's on their property that was donated um, I can't remember who did the donation. I feel like it was Midwest Express once upon a time, but I don't remember. Uh, that's for training on how to do uh, an assault on an aircraft in case you have to do a hostage rescue, uh, how to put real up situations, fires. real life experience for trainees and, and people learning, even people that are on the job learning some of those techniques. Absolutely. And, and you know what? We, we, there was a time when, when this police department really was a national model. And I'm not slamming the police department. They need money to do the things that they're trying to do. Uh, but there was a time when this police department was a, was held up as the gold standard for our homicide clearance rates. Do you agree? Do you agree with me that we could be that again? Oh, I absolutely believe that because I know the, the, the dedication of the people that are in leadership roles in, in, in the Milwaukee Police Department. Uh, you know, the, the, these things aren't free, and I know it sounds like you know I'm 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 passing the hat here, but these things aren't free. Getting the 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 tools, something as I don't want to say as simple because building a training facility is not simple, but or inexpensive or inexpensive. Uh, so I am saying that as almost like an uneducated person who says, "Hey, I don't know what you got to do," uh, but but I, I remember that there were talks about changing that property over. And you know that somebody did the math at that time. Uh, there was an incident with the, the chief, Oof. Jeffrey Norman, 
Uh, he was sent to the hospital. I believe he's been released now. Is that your understanding? I understand that he's been he's been released from the, from the hospital, as has his uh, uh, his his body man, um, who uh, who was also injured. And he was coming from an event about reckless driving, and a lot of people were leaping to this. Well, he's a victim of reckless driving. That wasn't the case. Oh, good lord! That was like a New York Post headline, right? I mean, all of a sudden, it was you know it was the irony before even getting the facts that dump truck driver. Uh, you know, it, it, from what we understand now after the inspection of the vehicle is that his brakes failed and he was trying hard not to rear end the squad. Can you imagine that poor guy yeah. when, when the chief of police gets out of the car? Of all the people. Of all I, the people. I, I, <laughs> but, you know, we can have a little giggle because I understand Chief Norman's recovering. We yeah, wish, we wish, him, yeah, wish well. him the best. Uh, and also uh, his uh, his body man, who I know very, very well. And I hope he's uh, he's recovering also. At, can I do a quick factoid sure, for you sure. that I learned while I was at the police department? More often than than not, when officers are hurt in a traffic crash, their vests actually save them from crushing chest injuries. Mm. So the vest doesn't just save you out on the street when you when when you're getting shot at, but it's also something that saves you if you're involved in. Now I don't know anything about who was wearing what in the car, yeah. but I just think that's an interesting. Factoid, which is what we throw out here for our friends. Yeah, what a great resource for law enforcement, public safety to have that that ability to to protect themselves. Because even in the situations where it's not someone pointing a gun at you, there's still uh, some incidences where that little protection can go a long way in in, in helping. All right, after the break, um, videos are interesting, and that's the newest part of law enforcement, Mm -hmm. right? The you know the dash cams and and the cameras on on their bodies. But um, sometimes you don't get the whole picture until you get the whole picture. We'll discuss that with Andy Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert, right here on WTMJ Now. It's been on a Wednesday hanging out with Andy Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert in studio here at the Avenue Studios, beautiful downtown Milwaukee. And joining us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline is the chaplain for multiple agencies. He's got a lot of responsibility, and, he's, and he wants to talk about officer wellness. That is George Papachristou. Welcome to the show. Good morning, morning. George. Good morning, Annie. Good morning, Steve. You know, i got to tell you, Steve, that one of the reasons that, that I, I really wanted us to, to chat with George this morning, and after you and I talked, I, I know that, that you, you got it as well, that there's all the talk about crime is going up, crime is increasing, violent crime, people are afraid. And I understand that we need to talk about that in terms of, of the residents and the people that live here and how they're affected. But but I don't want us to forget, because that's why you and I talk on Wednesdays, I don't want us to forget about the law enforcement that is affected by that. And George is the one that responds to all of these events. When an officer is, is killed in the line of duty, George is the one who shows up at the hospital, George is the one that helps make family notifications. I mean, I, you know, so the, the the fact that we're talking about about you know law enforcement wellness, it it goes it goes further than just hey, well, make sure you've got a friend and don't drink too much alcohol, right, George? Yes, we've come a long way since the old days when it was uh, drown your sorrows in alcohol. Um, we've gotten much better at what we do. Uh, thanks to the efforts of multiple agencies. Yeah, I, used to, I mean, the, the suck it up mentality and, and just get back to, the, to doing your job. So as somebody who's been in this in this business for a while, if you could call it a business, someone who's doing this great service to our men and women in law enforcement, are you seeing signs that there's some stress on the system? Oh, there definitely is. Uh, much like the, the rest of the country, 
uh, our mental health providers are overwhelmed with the amount of people that are coming forth. Not always that they're in crisis, but just now we're at least educating them that they should recognize when they think, you know what, something's not quite right here. Maybe I should go talk to somebody. So that's the good side of things is people are starting to recognize that, yes, maybe I should go talk to mental health. Maybe I should talk to faith support. Maybe I should talk to peer support uh, and get myself on the right track again before it slides too far down. You know, one of the common uh, uh, kickbacks I hear from people is, well, they knew what they signed up for. And I really hate that argument because no matter what, Nothing, nothing prepares you to find a, the body of a five-year-old child in a, in, in a dumpster, and maybe that child is the same age as your own. Uh, how, do you, how, do you, how do you help officers, George? How do you help them with the, you know, with the day-to-day horrors that they see? I know there's a lot that you personally are doing. So much of it is just letting them recognize the fact that it's okay to not be okay a little bit. Uh, It's okay to feel numb. It's okay to feel detached. Uh, Much of that is how they insulate themselves from the day-to-day horrors that they see. But in a 25-plus year career, you can't keep doing that. There comes a point along this journey to retirement where you've got to, much like a laptop, you got a recycle bin there. Um, We all have a recycle bin that we need to empty out sometimes. We need to get some updates to our system. Uh, And that's the most critical thing we can do, showing them coping skills, reminding them that there is life outside of law enforcement. Um, You know, the old generation um, would get caught up in uh, their identity strictly as a police officer and nothing else. Uh, But we're finding now that people do realize there is something beyond the job of law enforcement. You do have to check it at the door when you go home. George Papacristo joining us, chaplain for multiple agencies in Wisconsin. So when you meet an individual who's going through one of those times when they're maybe they've seen something or they're questioning something, is it is it a face-to-face? Are you sitting down with that person, that, that member of law enforcement community, and, and having a conversation? How is that, how is that done? Well, it all begins with, with FaceTime. And I don't mean the, the cell phone FaceTime. I mean being what the military does, being embedded with the troops. And what we try and do is make sure that we're a face that they can recognize. Uh, when we walk into a room, it's like, oh, I know who that is, not who the heck is this guy coming in here now? So they know the you. Critical. They know you. Yeah. Right. And then that allows, it facilitates them reaching out saying, you know what, can we go talk? And then we'll sit down, we'll have a cup of coffee. And often what I do is, is make a triage, kind of like a, a medic out in the field and say, you know what, I think we're okay here. You know, just a pat on the back, sometimes a a kick in the rear, so to speak, Uh, but a cup of coffee, a pat on the back. Other times it's like, you know what, I think this is above my pay grade. I think you should go see a mental health, one of our mental health providers, Uh, or maybe you just need some peer support. And in addition to being an empath, which and you are a great empath, George, um, I have uh, I've reached out to you when certain things have 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 happened in my police life, and and you have been there for me, and I, I'm never going to forget that. But you're not just a good empath; you've you've been in this movie. You are a retired uh, detective, right? Am I right, police officer, detective? A police officer. I had a role as a police officer with. Uh... I started in the city of Brookfield, uh, went to Village of Miami Falls, and ended up in the city of Milwaukee. So you're not just somebody who's saying, yeah, 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 I can imagine that's tough. You've, you've been there. How did you handle your own difficulties when you, were, when you were on the job? Unfortunately, you know, I was there in the uh, 70s, 80s. 
uh, where we did ascribe to the old school philosophy of don't show your week, don't talk to anybody anybody about it. Uh, we were a very close knit group. We didn't let outsiders in, and we certainly didn't let anybody coming in that might be a mental health person because. Number one, there was a distrust for that service. But number two, the level of mental health care at that time was not law enforcement specific. Fortunately, now, you know, on our wellness team that we have uh, at multiple agencies, we have providers now that do understand the police culture. And that makes all the difference in the world. Oftentimes, an officer would maybe reach out to their employee assistance program and maybe have to spend a session or two just explaining what the job is. But that education has happened now and providers now do get the culture and been there done that understanding the culture makes a world of difference when you're sitting down with someone as a chaplain how much does the faith part of that of that conversation come into play where not everyone is obviously of the same faith some may not believe at all how does that play into this it's very important for for any law enforcement chaplain military chaplain uh, to understand that you have to be open to all faiths, <clears throat> excuse me, and also the fact that there may be some with no faith, and be respectful of wherever people are in that faith journey. Uh, I, myself, and, and most chaplains will have a member of a specific faith on speed dial that if an officer needs a certain sacrament, if they have specific questions, we can connect them with that person. But we try and just talk about the um, the, the effects, the, the positive effects that having a faith in a higher power can have for that individual. Um, most times people have fallen away from their faith for, for whatever reason. Most times it's the nature of the job and the schedule and the hours. Uh, and then we just try and reconnect them with that faith. We never try to convert. We never try to push a faith down. Uh, it's more like uh, ask me and I will tell you everything you need to know, but I'm not going to shove that down anyone's throat. George Papacristo joining us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline. Can, can I have you hold through the breakout? we got some more questions for you. Yeah, absolutely, sure. All right, we're talking to George Papacristo, chaplain for multiple agencies in Wisconsin, including the Sheriff's Office and Milwaukee Police Association. We'll uh, continue the conversation with Annie Schwartz and yours truly after this on WTMJ Now. Great guest along with Annie Schwartz, in not in studio, but on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline today, George Papacristo, chaplain for multiple agencies in law enforcement. And Annie, we were talking during the break, you had a great questions for George. Let's get to it. Absolutely. And by the way, we can't say George is in studio because otherwise there'll be a line of cops out the door of, of the Third Street Marketplace. Yeah. Oh, my Where's gosh. Where's he at? Where's he at? <laughs> uh, you know, George, for a long time we heard the kind of the old, uh, uh, the old adage for law enforcement that uh, police were disproportionately represented when it comes to domestic violence and alcoholism. Have we seen those numbers move at all, do you think, just in your anecdotal view? Yeah, I do think that it's not as much um, a stigma anymore. It's not as prevalent. I think it's equal to what's happening throughout our country, to, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, it's, you know, when I when I think about when I think about all of the things that, that I learned that officers see when I was working there, and I think about the things that they see when they see how parents treat their children, when they see how, you know, how people treat each other on a daily basis, how can it be a surprise to say, we got to do more for our officers? Oh, that's so very true. I mean, we're seeing 
escalated levels of violence uh, throughout the country that we've never seen before. Unprecedented, not just the amount of violence, but the nature of the violence. It's horrific crime scenes that uh, officers throughout the country have to see now. Uh, And it's a whole new level of stress that it places on those officers. Uh, As you said earlier, well, they signed up for it. Well, yes, of course, officers signed up for that danger. They understand that. But to say that you're going to just see all these things and not be affected by it, well, then you're not a human being. And then that's certainly not somebody we would want to have in law enforcement. George, when you when you talk to the, the individuals that you meet with, are they, and I, I know this is kind of outside your purview, but I'm just curious if it comes up, and, and I don't want you to get too specific, but um, the the, uh, the subject of resources, whether that's additional officers, whether that's equipment, maybe, maybe even technology, does that come up in the conversation at all? It, it does. Uh, I think officers throughout the land are feeling the pinch of understaffing. Multiple reasons for that, financing uh, the defund movement. Uh, and and the lack of, um, you know, amount of candidates coming forth. Uh, you know, Milwaukee Police Department, Milwaukee Sheriff, Wisconsin State Patrol, anybody could say, all right, we've got money to, for you to hire 1,000 officers in the next six months. Good luck trying to find those 1,000 people that want to take those jobs. So the, the staffing levels is creating so much overtime. Uh, and, again, if you don't have that time to um, de-escalate yourself or de- decompress yourself, I should say, to empty that recycle bin, to get that home life uh, going for yourself, uh, it, it takes its toll. You know, it's not unusual for today's officers in any urban department to be working 10, 12-hour days on a regular basis. You know, George, pretend you have a 21-year-old kid sitting in front of you, and male or female, and they say to you, Hey, you know, uh, uh, George, I'm, I think I'd like to go into law enforcement. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you can, you know, th- th- my friends are all trying to talk me out of it. How would you talk them? How would you talk them into it? I shouldn't say, you know, it, not like in a pressure situation, but what do you still see after all these years as the benefit of service? You know, the rewards for serving the citizens of any city, of any uh, community, are, are hard to describe. There's such a sense of, of um, self-worth, such a sense of accomplishment um, when you go to someone at their most horrible, their worst moment in their life, that usually was when police officers show up, and you're able to provide a level of comfort, to provide a level of security, of safety. Uh, and, you know, to go out there and apprehend some bad people who are doing bad things. Um, I, I, the, le- the amount of um, fulfillment that you get from that is hard to describe. And the other part of that equation is the family that you're entering into uh, in law enforcement. It's a unique bond, I, I, I believe, much like the military uh, in law enforcement, because both of these professions, you are at risk of, of danger to your life, limb, and, pro- you know, and actually property as well. But, you know, the real danger of losing your life is present. And I think that creates a bond amongst the participants that can't be matched in any other field. Chaplain George Papacristo joining us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline along with Annie in studio. Um, I'll end with this. You, you deal with a lot of tough situations. You, you, you work with law enforcement, that community, all the time, sorting things out, trying to, to heal wounds that are mental, sometimes physical, what do you what do you get out of this individually? How does it how does it shape you? How does it maybe change you as someone who did the job and is now helping other people cope with that reality? I'm just grateful that I can be used uh, as a resource 
to connect our officers with the proper resource. Um, I'm kind of like a conduit to connect them, a trusted source that they can come to, uh, and see them have a fruitful 25-plus-year career and get to that retirement and enjoy that retirement. Um, many officers in my generation, I, I see them, and they're kind of shells of them for their former self. Um, they've su- suffered multiple marriages. Um, perhaps the children are alienated from them, um, and they, they've not survived well through that career. So to be able to help people get through this career, help them to keep their focus, uh, help them to, to realize the importance of their job and the mission that they provide is very rewarding for me. Positive from a negative. I, I love the work that you do, and I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Uh, George, pleasure, thank you for being there for, for so many people, for me on a personal level. Uh, we love you to death, my friend. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Steve. Have a great rest of your day, guys. You bet. George Papacristo, Papacristo I should say, chaplain for Sheriff's Department. Milwaukee Police Association, State Patrol as well. Yeah. Busy guy. He is. And you know what, Steve? He also, and again, I have known George for a very, very long time. And again, when I was at MPD and there were some things that, you know, I, 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 I didn't feel like I had anybody to talk to because what right do I have to talk to, to the police chaplain when I'm not even a, a police officer? But there were things that bothered me, disturbed me. And I would, I would talk to George and he makes it so easy for you to say, this is this is weird. And and he's one of the people that I talked to when I thought, you know, should I stay here? Should I keep, you know, keep doing this? But but he also said something that that really that really hits home. And I hope that that the people in our audience think about it. And that is that I don't I don't want the idea of the blue line or the police family to be a negative. It really is a family. And even though I'm gone from the Milwaukee Police Department since 2012, that is, you know, I, I understood there'd be no math, but I have been gone from that department, you know, 11 years. Um, and uh, even though I, I have, I'll still see people posting on private groups and Facebook, hey, we understand that we lost a member. We understand that something has happened. Our house is open to you. Come on over. Come on over, sit by the fire, have a, you know, and let's chat. There's a lot of support out there, but, you know, matching the support to the need is something that people like the chaplain uh, that we just had on, they that's their job. Um, I got this, uh, before we go to break, from a uh, retired detective who served for 25 years at the Waukesha County Sheriff's Department. I was pushing this topic for my last several years. Excellent topic this morning. Oh, well, so, thank you. Though. Thanks for the kind words. We're going to keep having the conversation because we can't just have it once, right, Steve? Yeah, we'll wrap our conversation, speaking of that word, with Annie Schwartz after this on WTMJ Now. Wrapping our time with Annie Schwartz, I got this text from the 920. November 8th, 1994, I-94 on Layton Avenue, 10.30 a.m., the Willis family. So grateful for those who came and listened to us and talked to us the following shift. As firefighters, we think we are tough and strong. Those who help us are saviors. So kind of a great way to kind of end this conversation this half hour. I remember uh, that incident. I was... Yeah, I, I had was, forgot uh, about it, but now uh, I do. I do remember that. I was there as a reporter, uh, and I remember the... I remember how awful it was, and I remember sitting in the in the car with the photographer, and we were just kind of sitting there, you know, like you know, we were just stunned. Yeah, it was a van that got struck by a... A spring or something and, yeah. and started the van on fire and, and many family members uh, were burned to death. The Willis family, I yes, think it was, yes, if I yes. remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just because we spent this morning talking to a police chaplain doesn't mean we're also not mindful of our friends who are in the fire service and the EMS service as well. There is a tremendously high rate of suicide 
among firefighters and EMTs. And I never really understood that that was that that was a fact. So, uh, you know what? We'll we should uh, we should have one of our friends from uh, who maybe does yeah, a similar work a from the fire service. We got to wrap it for today. Annie Absolutely. Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert. We'll do it again next Wednesday. You've been listening, of course, to WTMJ now.